uh, we learn from the psalmist uh, how to lament before God when we uh, see the results of sin in creation. And lament leaves the wound open. Uh, but we know finally that the, the wound will, will, will be healed uh, as, um, uh, as, as God has made that uh, promise in his son Jesus Christ. In the meantime, uh, we live within the certainty of the gospel uh, and we don't try to provide philosophical uh, explanations of, of why bad things happen to good people. Rather, Lutherans rejoice uh, that uh, good things happen to bad people in Christ. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and his promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. What do you get when you mix, answer the question as, billboard theology, and which latter? You get today's edition of Table Talk Radio. I'm at a gig line with Pastor Brian Wolfmother. Pastor, how are you? Good, Evan. How are you? Good. I'm excited about today's edition of Table Talk Radio because today we have Professor John Palas of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, today with us playing Answer the Question As. Welcome, Professor Plus. How are you today? Good to be with you on this uh Holy Week here. That's right. Now, we're, of course, recording on Holy Wednesday, but uh, the listeners will be listening to this on, I think, what, the third week after Easter. Well, yes, we can uh, <laughs> then think back to Holy Week, right? <laughs> <laughs> so right. hopefully what I say today won't be outdated on the third week after Easter. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've always been that up on current events, I know. Your theology is, uh, is short-lived and not timeless, is that? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we're playing the uh, everyone's favorite game with Professor Plus, Answer the Question As. That's the game where we have a list of uh, a list of church bodies or worldviews, and we also have a list of questions. And uh, we roll the dice and see which uh, which question and, and church body professor plus answers the question as. So, uh, Pastor, do you want to do you have the list in front of you? Do you want to read out the uh, the options? Uh, no, why don't you go ahead and read that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sure well, I've got it here somewhere. All right. Well, the, the church body list is uh, first Vatican II Roman Catholic or a Tridentine Roman Catholic, uh, someone from the Emergent Church or someone from the Holiness Movement, someone from a uh, Calvinistic uh, Reformed Church, or as Deepak Chopra. <laughs> and the list that'll be my favorite, Deepak Chopra. <laughs> what is that? I don't know anything about that. Uh oh. Any questions there? <laughs> Hope we don't roll a six. <laughs> we can, we'll defer that to to Pastor Wolfmiller if it rolls a six. Oh, That's right. I'll, okay. I'll try to answer in my Indian accent and pretend like I'm a, a scientist that spends all my time on Oprah. Yeah, that's right. Okay, the list of questions is, number one, what is the central teaching of your belief? Number two, uh, where can God be found? Number three, what's humanity's fundamental problem? And what is the answer to humanity's fundamental problem? Number five, uh, why do bad things happen in this world? And number six, why, what do you have against Pastor Brian Wolfmiller? <laughs> which, which is essentially the question: What do you, or how do you disagree with the Lutherans? So that is uh, the list of questions. And uh, 
I'll, I'll roll first for the uh, for the question. I rolled number three. What is humanity's fundamental problem? And I rolled here a number one. So a Vatican II Roman Catholic. So, Professor Pless, what is humanity's fundamental problem answered as a Vatican II Roman Catholic? Well, our fundamental problem is that we are, um, uh, while we're made in God's image, uh, we are... We are separated from him. We need reconciliation with God. And um, that, uh, uh, you know, we all have uh, knowledge of God, uh, certainly. Uh, we receive that by nature. Uh, but we need, to, uh, we need to have something more uh, than simply uh, a natural knowledge of God. We need, uh, uh, we need to grow in, uh, in the grace of, of God. And... Um, and that's what uh, we have really in the church, that uh, God uh, gives us his grace. And uh, as we receive this, uh, this grace of God, uh, our blindness is decreased and we uh, move ever more closely toward uh, beholding uh, the one who is our creator. So you have a, so we start with the need for knowledge, and then you add to that grace. So you see this continuum that, uh, between between knowledge and grace. So grace comes along and perfects nature. Is that? That's right. That uh, God created humanity in His image, and uh, that image has certainly been uh, tarnished uh, by 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 the fall. But um, uh, but nevertheless, we remain uh, creatures of God, and. Uh, he wants to uh, restore our humanity uh, through grace, so that we now uh, might have a communion with uh, uh, with God. And this is what uh, uh, God would give us in the uh, uh, in, in the church. Very fantastic! Yeah, that's excellent job answering. Let's let's play this again. I'm going to roll again, and I got uh, number five, which is uh, Calvinistic reform. Oh, I'm sorry. The question number five is: Why do bad things happen in this world? And I rolled again and and got number one. Okay, so Should how— I roll again? You want to roll again? Mix it up here? Oh, sure, mix I it up. I got another one. Here, let me roll. Oh, there's a five. Okay. Okay, so answer the question as, why do bad things happen in this world as a Calvinistic Reformed perspective? Oh, nice. Calvinist Reformed, why do bad things happen in the world? Well, we know that uh, God is sovereign and that there is nothing that uh, is outside of his uh, providential uh, care for creation, and so while we might not always know uh, why bad things happen, we know that finally everything that happens uh, will uh, finally redound to the glory of our sovereign Creator. And so we need not uh, uh, we need not trouble ourselves with these uh, uh, with these questions about uh, uh, the origin of evil. Uh, because we know that God is all-powerful, and that in His uh, in His might, uh, He will finally uh, bring all things to work together for uh, the good of His elect. And so we uh, we are confident that uh, for the uh, for the believer uh, that we need not uh, we need not trouble ourselves about these um, uh, these these questions of why why evil in the world, because we. We know that God finally is all powerful, and that's our that's our confidence. That's amazing. You know, I never I never had put that together because Calvinism always strikes me as the uh, kind of philosophical branch of of uh, 
of not Catholic theology, that, that they're always pursuing the rational answers to all of all of these questions. But really, they all uh, the sovereignty of God. Uh, doesn't stand as the answer to all of these problems or, or all these questions, but rather that which stops all of these questions. The questions can't even be asked anymore uh, because the sovereignty of God uh, kind of stands in the way of this inquiry. Well, as a uh, as a Calvinist, I would say it's not so much that we can't ask the question, perhaps, but we need to uh, uh, frame the question within the context of God's sovereignty and uh, and man's disobedience. And so that uh, while God uh, indeed uh, did create this world perfect and uh, full of order and beauty, uh, our disobedience has uh, has has spoiled that. And, and nevertheless, God remains; uh, He remains sovereign. He remains Lord, and so we can uh, trust in Him uh, that, uh, according to His almighty power, uh, He will finally uh, rectify things and. Uh, and in the end, uh, everything will be set right uh, for the elect. He will override evil uh, ultimately with his uh, uh, w- with his sovereignty. This, by the way, for those of you listening at home, this is one of the games that you don't want to attend. This is like theological knife juggling uh, <laughs> or swallowing a sword. Uh, most people can't even answer what their own church teaches, uh, but much less to sit and answer as a as a different theologian these questions that you didn't even know what they were. This is a – I really love this game. Yeah, it's my really, favorite. It's really great. And, Professor, you did an excellent job answering that last question. If you would – we have just two minutes left here before the break. If you would, why don't you contrast what you just said from the Calvinistic Reform perspective uh, with someone in uh, a Lutheran, a confessional Lutheran, how would they answer the question as, uh, w- why do bad things happen in this world? As a Lutheran, we would make an appeal, first of all, to the, uh, uh, to the mercy of God uh, in Christ Jesus, that uh, certainly in Christ we know that all things do work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Uh, we do not, as Lutherans, however, try to offer explanations to the question of, of why uh, bad things happen to good people. But we want to keep the question itself uh, contained within, um, uh, within the parameters of, of uh, three, of three um, truths that we know from the Scripture, namely that God indeed is all-powerful. He is the Almighty uh, God who is creator of heaven and earth. Uh, two, that man is a, uh, man is a sinner, and through sin, creation itself has been uh, uh, subjected to futility, as Paul says. And most importantly, point three, that in uh, Christ Jesus, uh, God has uh, fully redeemed humanity. And in his death and resurrection, uh, we, have, uh, we have the promise that nothing will be able to uh, separate us from the love of God. And so uh, a Lutheran approach to this question is not so much to come up with a, you know, airtight explanation. We, uh, as I like to, to put it, we offer not explanations, but we offer the promises of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, a contemporary Lutheran theologian by the name of Oswald Bayer uh, has um, uh, written about this in terms of what he calls lament. And he says, uh, we learn from the psalmist uh, how to lament before God when we uh, see the results of sin in creation, and lament leaves the wound open. Uh, but we know finally that the the wound will 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 be healed, uh, as um, uh, as as God has made that uh, promise 
in his son Jesus Christ, but that uh, that healing really comes eschatologically. It comes only at the end. And in the meantime, uh, we live within the certainty of the gospel, uh, and we don't try to provide philosophical uh, explanations of of, uh, of why um, of, of why bad things happen to good people. Rather, Lutherans rejoice uh, that uh, good things happen to bad people in Christ, namely the forgiveness of sins. Let, let's go to a, a quick break, and we'll be right back. Uh, we're playing more. Uh, answer the question as with Professor John Plaster after this break. Don't go away. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Never imitated, never duplicated. We are very thankful to all the listeners who have contributed to Table Talk Radio to help us cover our few bills. For the podcast, we've decided not to run donation promos all the time, but rather only when there is a need. That time is now. You see, when Pastor and I record Table Talk Radio, we are actually about a thousand miles away from each other. After recording our voices independently, we then synchronize the audio into one feed, which is the programming you hear on a weekly basis. This, however, requires hours of time in editing the show and preparation for radio broadcasts. There is some radio equipment available that would allow us to connect with each other so that we could record both our voices at one location, greatly reducing the time required to edit the show. This equipment however, is pretty expensive. Right now, we're sort of pulling you, our listeners, to see if the purchase of this equipment would be a possibility by your generous donations. If you think this is a reasonable expense, please email me, evan at tabletalkradio.org. Thank you very much for your consideration. Do you like baptism? Because I know I do. If you do, you're really going to love this Lay Theological Conference on Saturday, April 25th uh, at Eternal Savior Lutheran Church in Lafayette, Colorado. They've asked me to be the speaker this year, and I'll be spending all day talking about baptism. What is it? What gifts does it bring? Is it law and or gospel? Why does everyone disagree with the Lutherans? And uh, what does baptism have to do with evangelism? These questions and more. So please join us again, Eternal Savior Lutheran Church, Lafayette, Colorado, April 25th. See you then. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. One more segment of Answer the Question Asked with Professor John Pless. So far we've answered the questions, um, what is humanity's fundamental problem as a Roman Catholic, uh, Vatican II Roman Catholic, and why do bad things happen to, um, or why do bad things happen in this world um, from someone from the re- reform perspective. Professor Pless, are you ready for another question? Certainly. All right. You, Bring I it rolled, on. I rolled number four. <laughs> number four is what? what is the answer to humanity's fundamental problem? Oh yeah, I got to roll it out here. I've got a, my online dice roller here. Two, number two. Uh, this is a Tridentine Roman Catholic. So, what is the answer to humanity's fundamental problem as a Tridentine Roman Catholic? Well, the answer to mankind's problem is finally uh, is finally God's grace. Um, we uh, believe that uh, uh, the Triune God created the world. 
um, and uh, in his uh, in his son uh, Jesus Christ, he has uh, won uh, grace for the world, and this uh, this grace for the world is uh, uh, is a reality that he now has preserved for us uh, in his one holy Catholic Church, and through the ministrations of of the Church, this uh, grace indeed may be. Uh, mediated uh, so as to provide uh, uh, so as to provide merit uh, for uh, for for sinners who uh, seek God and uh, come to his uh, uh, and, and 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 come to his church uh, without um, putting any kind of obstacle in the way of of God infusing or God pouring this grace uh, into our lives through uh, uh, through uh, through the sacraments that uh, uh, that uh, the church has preserved uh, for us. You, you know, when you're talking about Roman Catholics, you're talking a lot about grace, uh, but there's never any mention of faith. Is that uh, I, that's purposeful? I suspect. What's going on there? Well, I think that uh, when you read traditional Catholic theology, um, there is a lot of talk about grace. Uh, grace often defined as that. Uh, Substantial power of the Triune God that is infused or poured into the uh, in, into the life of the creature through the Church's sacramental system. If you look at uh, if if you look at Thomas Aquinas, for example, the angelic uh, doctor, the arch theologian of uh, of, of uh, medieval Roman Catholicism, uh, still uh, certainly influential in Catholic theology today. His whole system, as a friend of mine says, just oozes grace. It's all about uh, uh, it's all about grace. That the real crux of the argument between uh, the Roman position and uh, uh, and the Reformation was not so much the question of of grace uh, as it was the question of how this grace is received. Is it by uh, is it by faith, and is it is it by faith alone, or does faith have to be uh, formed by uh, works of charity, works of love? Uh, faith or, or faith works through love, or e- even you could. Uh, there was the old debate of the ex opere operato that you could just sit there and have grace kind of poured into you. Right. That uh, as long as the uh, um, as long as the penitent did not bring any. Uh, obstacle to grace than uh, simply by uh, being in the presence of the sacraments, by being on the receiving end of uh, of, um, of of sacramental action. Uh, grace is uh, uh, infused and uh, provides a uh, energy uh, that finally transforms the life of uh, the Christian. This is, a, of course, a fundamental disagreement that the uh, Lutherans and Catholics have about the definition of grace. Is that is grace some sort of substance, uh, or is grace simply God's smile, His yeah. His merciful disposition towards us? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, Lutherans uh, like to use the biblical word "favor," the Latin "favor day," the the favor of God. That uh, grace is not uh, simply a uh, uh, something that can be quantified, you know, like a jug of uh, um, a jug of pop, um, and then poured out. Uh, but it's um, it's it's God's own it's God's own disposition towards sinners. It's much more uh, relational. Uh, God's favor, God's uh, 
God's smile. That's a neat way of putting it, Pastor. I remember uh, reading through the large catechism, and Luther's talking about the the unbeliever, basically the Roman Catholic opponents, and he says uh, it's demonstrated in the fact that they don't care whether God frowns or smiles. That sticks. That's the kind of thing that sticks with you. So, yeah, nice. Yeah, that uh, uh, that we see God smiling on us in Christ Jesus, and we. Uh, we know that smile from the means of grace, as we like to call them, uh, the preaching of the gospel, uh, baptism, Lord's Supper. Uh, for there, God is uh, uh, is at work to give us the promise, uh, the promise of sonship and the forgiveness of sins. Uh, that comes in holy baptism, uh, the word of absolution, which is at the heart of every Lutheran sermon, and in the Lord's Supper, where Jesus gives us the testament. Uh, the benefits of his uh, death on the cross as he gives us his body to eat and his blood to drink for the forgiveness of our sins. That's the reason Luther really liked that word testament um, that we uh, think about on the, on, on Monday, Thursday with Jesus instituting the uh, Lord's Supper, uh, whereby he distributes the fruits of his death. And faith receives all that. Uh, uh, it's uh, without, uh, without faith... Um, uh, we um, uh, we are left in uh, uh, we are left in unbelief and uh, under under condemnation. But uh, but God actually uh, creates what He uh, uh, demands when He when He calls us to faith. He actually uh, creates faith through the preaching of His Word. Pastor, in the in the last five minutes, let's see if we can roll a stumper for Professor Pless. All right. I think you're sitting there trying to roll a six. What problem do you have with Pastor Brian Wolf? Well, I, I said we only have five minutes left, so I don't know if we have that much time. <laughs> I rolled number one. What is the central teaching of your belief? And I rolled a number four, which is, which is someone uh, in the holiness movement. Oh, yeah. So what is the fundamental teaching of your belief? Is that the question? Right. If you are in the holiness movement. Well, the fundamental teaching of our belief is that without holiness, no one may see God. That's biblical. Uh, without, uh, uh, without, without holiness, uh, sinners cannot come into the presence of a living, uh, of a living God. Uh, that uh, the Scripture clearly teaches us uh, that we are to exhibit holiness in our own lives. Uh, that we are to um, distance ourselves from anything and everything. Uh, that might uh, cause us to be uh, unclean or cause us to be compromised in in this world. Uh, The Bible says we are to come out from amongst those who are unclean, and that we are to live as people who are separated uh, unto the Lord. And so our fundamental problem is that uh, on account of our disobedience, we are are rendered unclean, uh, that we have no holiness in ourselves, and that... um, uh, and that it is only through uh, it is only through the gospel that we learn how to be holy, that we learn how to strive for that holiness, without which no one can behold uh, the Creator. Uh, and Evan always loves this question. If you contrast that with Lutheranism, uh, the central doctrine of Lutheranism being the article of justification, and how is that different than this idea that uh, we got to be holy enough to please God? Well, Lutherans love the term righteousness. Uh, in fact, we use the term righteousness probably more than the term holiness, although both are, are biblical terms. Uh, Lutherans also love to follow the, 
the uh, the scripture, both Old and New Testament, um, whether uh, made especially clear in the Psalms and the prophets in the Old Testament, and then uh, um, fundamentally at the heart of Paul's proclamation uh, is that this righteousness is imputed to us. It is not something that is gradually formed in us as we learn more and more how to get rid of the old man, to domesticate the old Adam, uh, to lessen the effects of sin in our lives, uh, but that this righteousness actually covers us, uh, covers us in the way that the garment uh, is laid over us, the way that uh, Paul speaks of that in uh, Galatians 3, for example, when he says, as many of you have, as have been baptized have put on Christ. Uh, that God looks upon us and does not see our sin for the sake of the blood of his Son, uh, but he sees us in Christ. He sees us uh, clothed in Christ and clothed with that righteousness which he, uh, we, which he has imputed to us. And so uh, impute, uh, the language of imputation is one of the great words of the gospel. It uh, uh, clearly... Uh, it, it, it clearly uh, gives witness to the fact that uh, our righteousness, our holiness, is not something that we have made up. It's not something that we have achieved. It's all in the way of, of gift. Uh, all of our righteousness, says the uh, Old Testament prophet, is as filthy, filthy rags. Uh, but the righteousness of uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, righteousness which he has accomplished for us, is complete and perfect. And so over against that righteousness, we are not active, but passive. We are receiving. Um, and and so that we trust in, in what Luther uh, likes to refer to as an alien righteousness, a righteousness of our own making, uh, but a righteousness that comes uh, as gift through faith in, in Christ uh, Jesus. And he calls us holy, uh, not on account of our perfection or on account of our uh, striving or on account of our uh, uh, the way we've been able to clean ourselves up uh, he calls us holy uh, because of of the blood of Christ you can continue this conversation on our website tabletalkradio.org or call us 866-851-5523 professor plus thank you so much for joining us for table talk radio Evan, great to be with you and great to be with you also pastor wolf miller uh, blessings on uh, on your continued work with Table Talk Radio. It's a Thank great you. Contribution. And when Evan gets back to seminary, give him grief for us. We uh, will certainly do if that. If you could email me his most recent grades on, in class, that would be helpful too. That that won't be necessary. For we can uncover that too. <laughs> Thank you very okay, much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye bye. We'll be we'll be right back. More Table Talk Radio right after this. Talk Radio. The games are just an excuse. The Pensacola Lutheran Blind Mission will hold its monthly meeting and dinner for the blind and sight impaired at 5 p.m. Saturday, April 25th at Emmanuel Lutheran Church, located 24 West Wright Street in Pensacola, Florida. Guest speaker will be Mr. John Dosh, as Cambia County Public Safety Emergency Manager. Disaster preparedness and survival of the major catastrophe events will be the topic of discussion. 
The building of a personal survival kit will also be discussed. The Lutheran Blind Mission is an organization that provides social interaction, life skills support, and Christian fellowship for the blind and sight impaired. The driver of any blind or sight impaired person is welcome to enjoy our dinner and evening with us. The meeting will be in the fellowship hall and will end at 7 p.m. Please call Ann Silverly for dinner reservations by Wednesday, the 22nd of April at 850-457-3039 or email annsilverly at yahoo.com. Information is available at any time about our mission. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. That was Thank that you. was great with Professor John Plass, wasn't it? He, I know it's like having a guy up on stage to swallow the theological sword, to to fight the theological <laughs> bull, That's to right. jump off the he theological bungee cord. He doesn't just ride the bull; he takes it by its horns. Yeah, I know. I I want to try to, that game with you and I sometime, and it would be an absolute flub. Because look, <laughs> you, I mean, I mean well, like we're talking about, most people can't even articulate well their own confession but then you know to have a guy like professor pless who can articulate everyone else's confession as well this is a great i was contrast i was anticipating for us to read to roll double double sixes so he'd have to answer the question what is wrong with pastor wolf miller as deepak chopra oh that pastor wolf miller <laughs> he he believes in the objective uh in the objective but we learn from science that the universe is all subjectivity. Okay, you're starting to scare me. Let, let's move on to which ladder. Now, I'm really excited about this witch ladder because uh, we have I this... was talking to Oprah about which ladder she wants to climb. <laughs> and uh, that we have, it's kind of an old thing. It's uh, this blasphemy challenge. This is probably like two years old. Um, that this Rational Response, quad re- re- response Squad released um, challenging atheists or who, whomever to... Do the blasphemy challenge, citing you know the, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the unpardonable sin. So uh, prove that you're not afraid and um, and renounce the Holy Spirit on a YouTube video and post it. So anyway, we're going to play which ladder with these. But not only are we going to look at the atheists, but we have some Christian responses to the blasphemy challenge. We're going to see uh, if 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 they're climbing any ladders as well. So you ready for the first one? Ready. I need to narrate some of these a little bit. Um, because it has some on-screen. This, these are directly from YouTube. Maybe I'll even post these links on our, our website, tabletalkradio.org, uh, maybe on the forum, and then you can watch these yourself. But I'm, I'll narrate what's what's on the screen. Okay, Jesus will forgive you for anything. With one exception, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never be forgiven, Mark 3.29. If you deny the power or existence of the Holy Spirit, you are damned to hell forever. Three months ago, I was a Christian. Through basic observation of the world around me and logical thinking, I've come to the conclusion that alongside the fact that there is no Santa Claus and there is no Easter Bunny, there is also no God. So without further ado, my name's Chandler, and I deny the existence of the Holy Spirit. The Rational Response Squad challenges you 
you commit the unforgivable sin. I deny sin. God, Jesus, and the Holy I Spirit. Deny the Holy Spirit and Jesus. I deny the Holy Spirit. The Rational Response Squad wants you to make a short video declaring your independence from the Stone Age. Shoot your video and upload it to YouTube, and we'll send you a free <laughs> copy of the hit documentary, The God Who Wasn't There, on DVD. Okay, then they go through about how they'll give you this free DVD if, if uh, you know, if you, if you do this. So, so, uh, so believing in the Holy Spirit's in the Stone Age, Pastor. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Come out of the Stone Age, oh, oh brother. Now, now, I want to, I want to see how you react to this. Their main attack then is is that uh, Christianity specifically um, uses threatening tactics, saying that if you don't believe in this, then you'll go to hell. And you're just trying to use scare tactics to make people believe or confess what you confess. What, what do you say to that? Um, yeah, I, I, maybe. I mean, may, there might be something true there it, when we know that the that God is holy and that we are not. Uh, this is a frightful thought. Um, but it's not a tactic. It's just reality. I mean, it is a it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But it's not like a, you know that. Uh, the the church has got together and said, "Hey, uh, people are motivated more by fear than by love, so let's just scare the hooey out of them, and they'll come to church." I mean, it, it just is the way we are because we are sinners. Uh, that this world, with its law and God, its Creator, with His holiness, is a frightful place. In fact, uh, Luther describes the um, the uh, the existence of man under the law as so frightful that he he. Sh- he 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 jumps with fright at just the shaking of a leaf, uh, and so so fear is part of our uh, is part of our existence under under the law. So I don't it, it, to call it a tactic of the church. I just think is a bit dishonest. But but that there is things to be afraid of, and and mostly the thing to be to be most afraid of is the God who sends both body and soul to hell, as Jesus said. Don't fear him who can destroy your body, but him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. That's that's part of uh, being a human, it's part of it's part of worship. It's part of uh, it's part of um, acknowledging the reality of the universe that we live in. Yeah, and, and also, how do you react to uh, that one uh, who said, uh, "Just as there's no Santa Claus, I found that there's no Holy Spirit." Oh yeah, there, there's no Santa Claus. There's no Easter Bunny. There's no God. Well, come on. I mean, are you this, uh, the, the the great? I mean, some atheists have good senses of humor, uh, which I think is um, helpful when we're having conversations with them. But some take themselves so seriously. But then they say, you say something like that, and you want to, and, and that's we're supposed to take this seriously. There's no Santa Claus. There's no Easter Bunny. There's no God yeah, either. Yeah, ergo, as if uh, you know, there was this this list of things that uh, that we were trying to teach. They they always try to lump God and the Holy Trinity in with uh, ancient Greek mythology or uh, or Thor, the god of thunder, and all of this sort of thing. Uh, there's a reason why those sort of pagan religions have given way to uh, to nothing, uh, but why Christ- but why Christianity endures, and mostly it's because it's true. Yeah. Okay. So ladders. Are there any ladder climbing going on here? Well, the the atheists always, you know, um, fancy themselves as the intellectual ladder climbers. Uh, this, I think, is a great idolatry of atheism, by the way, uh, they, that they have the capacity in their own mind to determine that which is true. 
So the ladder that the atheist is always climbing is the ladder of the mind, rationalism. The, of course, the, uh, the kind of ironic thing about it is that the ladder of the mind climbs up into the mind. I mean, there's, no, there's nothing greater than themselves which they're trying to attain. Unless you're Deepak Chopra, right? Then there's a greater. But uh, um, but for the atheists, it's a ladder to nowhere. And I I always I mean question their understanding of, of who God is. Obviously, um, I, I was told by a pastor who was doing some sort of a campus ministry, and um, some some college kid comes up to this campus pastor and he says, "I don't believe in God," and uh, the pastor responds, "Well, tell me about the God you don't believe in." And he starts talking about you know all the you know this God who, you know, is just ruling over you know doing bad things to to people and you know, all this bad you know all the kind of the typical response you'd probably hear from an atheist about who God is. And so then the pastor responds, "Well, I don't believe in that God either. Let me tell you about the God that I believe in." And I thought that was a great way to handle that that situation because uh, if if you don't have a proper understanding of who God really is, well, I probably don't believe in most of the gods that the atheists deny anyway. Yeah, no, that's right. I. I think this is the most helpful conversation to have with an atheist is to say, look, there's two religions in the world. They love to talk about how there's a bajillion religions. They know that there's only two. There's the religion of the God who has to be served by humanity, and then there is the God who comes to humanity to serve us. That's it. Those are only the two. And and most of the time, the God that the atheists are rejecting is the first. I mean, they'd reject the second probably if they knew anything about him, but, uh, uh, but, but they do have a bad idea about about who and what God is. They, they deal in philosophical abstractions rather than than seeing that God has a name, namely uh, Jesus. All right. Well, uh, let's see. I, we have enough time to get in this next clip we're going to talk about on the other side of the break. So this is uh, one Christian's response to the blasphemy challenge. Hi, my name is Sarah. And in response to the blasphemy challenge, I would like to say that I have personally experienced the Holy Spirit at work within my life. I thank God for the Holy Spirit, and I challenge you, and I encourage you to seek Him out, to seek the truth out, because He is real, and He is out there, and He can work in your life just like He's worked in mine. He has totally turned my life around. I would not be where I'm at today without Him, and I thank God for sending the Holy Spirit down to us. And for all of you, who don't believe in this, like I said, I just encourage you to search it out, search out the truth, because you will find the truth if you look for it earnestly, seek for it diligently. And for all of you Christians out there watching this, I want to challenge you just as well. I want to challenge you to take a stand just as I have and so many others have, and stand for the truth. Because if good men do nothing, evil will ultimately prevail. All right, that's one Christian's response to the blasphemy challenge. What do you think? Is there any ladder climbing going on? We'll find out right after this break. Right back for more Table Talk Radio. Don't go away. No online petition necessary. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Hello, this is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. I'm planning a symposium on Islam to be held at Peace with Christ Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. We have three speakers, 
Adam Francisco from the Fort Wayne Seminary, Dr. Stephen Hine from Colorado Springs, and Deacon Shaquille Nazami from Pakistan to be talking about the history, theology uh, of Islam, and how we can reach out to our Islamic neighbors. The cost is $10, 20 max per family, again Saturday, May 16th at Peace with Christ Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. For more information, send me an email at pastor at hope-aurora.org. Hope to see you there. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Pastor, we're we're playing Witch Ladder. Did Did you ever explain, by the way, how the (laughs) game Witch Ladder works? (laughs) I was just thinking that. Why don't don't you tell us how the ladders work, and then uh, we'll talk about this audio clip. All right, this is the idea. We want to learn discernment from this game because there are three general ladders which man builds to try to attain heaven himself. And, of course, this is wrong. Uh, Salvation is is God uh, in Christ coming down to us to reconcile the world to himself. But still, in the law, we try to please God or be, become pleasing to him in, in three different ways, the ladder of the mind, the ladder of the will, and the ladder of the emotions. Uh, so the mental ladder is rationalism. That's trying to be smart enough for God. The emotional ladder is mysticism. It's trying to have a an experience of the closeness of God. And then the, uh, what's the other one? The moral ladder is the will. That's trying to be good enough for God. Really, all of the ladders are moral ladders. It's trying to be good enough for God in one way or another, but just by exercising different parts of the self. And the best false religions have a mixture of all of these. So we listened to the atheists and said, hey, they're trying to climb the ladder of their mind. Where are they climbing? They don't know. Uh, but they're climbing that ladder. Uh, but then we had this uh, uh, this uh, young lady who sounds like a very nice person uh, talking about her own experience of the Holy Spirit. And so we have the question, is there a ladder, is there some ladder climbing going on here? Right. And and I, lo- I always love this appeal to experience, you know. Because you hear them say, well, you can't argue with my experience. You're going to say I didn't have the experience. Well, no, I can't. You know, you're right. I can't. But then I can't argue with anyone else's experience either. You know, if, if a Mormon came to me and said, well, I had the burning in my bosom and uh, I had the experience, well, I'm going to have to take him for his word that he had the experience. So it doesn't really prove anything to say that I had an experience with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's right. There's an abuse of the idea that our knowledge of God comes from our feelings. But I want to read something to you, Evan. I'm not going to tell you who this is. We're going to play a a little departure from which ladder, and we'll be playing here uh, Name That Theologian. Are you ready? I'm ready. And and law and or gospel with it, or which ladder. Here, Here it goes. There are people who regard themselves as good Christians, although they're spiritually dead. They have never felt a real anguish on account of their sins. They have never been filled with terror on account of them have never been appalled by the thought of the hell which they have deserved, have never been on their knees before God bewailing with bitter tears their awful, damnable condition under sin. Much less have they wept sweet tears of joy and glorified God for his mercy. They read and hear the word of God without being specially impressed by it. They go to church and receive absolution without feeling refreshed. They attend Holy Communion without any inward sensation and remain as cold as ice. Occasionally, when they become inwardly agitated because of their indifference in matters concerning their salvation and because of their lack of appreciation of God's word, they try to quiet their heart with the reflection that the Lutheran Church teaches that the lack of spiritual feelings is of no moment. They reason that this lack cannot harm them and that they can be good Christians notwithstanding because they consider themselves believers. However, they labor under a grievous self-delusion. 
People in that condition have nothing but the dead faith of the intellect, a, sp a, sp a specious faith, or to express it still more drastically, a lip faith. They may say with their mouths, I believe, but their heart is not conscious of it. No, indeed, a person who cannot say in accordance with Psalm 34 that he has tasted and seen that the Lord is good must not regard himself as being in a state of true faith. Yeah, and so whoever this is, um, is, is, is judging sincere faith, sincere repentance based on the outward works of those things. Um, it, it's not enough to simply hear God's word or... Um, or to trust in God's word is saying that faith comes from hearing, hearing by the word of Christ, but rather the, the response of the individual, uh, which I think essentially is a climbing the moral ladder. Um, well, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the uh, experiential ladder too, isn't it? They have to, have to enact a certain experience or the, the, the right amount of repentance. And, and this person's going against the status quo, you could say, of the Lutheran church. I'm not really sure who this is. I'm going to guess Schleimacher. We talked about him a, a little while ago. Is it Schleimacher? It is C.F.W. Walther in his proper distinction between law and gospel. Oh, man. I'm really embarrassed now. <laughs> yeah. It, no, you're, well, you're right. This is shocking. It's in his whole discussion of how you can't base your salvation on feelings. <laughs> but then he says, but look it, if you think you can if you think you, that you can be the object of God's salvation without having some of these feelings, then uh, then you've deceived yourself as well. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Uh, here, he goes on to something like this. Romans 8.16, The Spirit indeed bears witness with our Holy Spirit that we're the children of God. Can the Holy Spirit bear this witness in us without our feeling it? The witness in court must speak loud enough for the judge to hear. The same is necessary in this case. According to God's word, any person who has never felt the testimony of the Spirit that he's a child of God is spiritually dead. He can offer no testimony in his favor and does wrong by considering himself a Christian nevertheless. I thought we were playing Oof. which ladder. Whose idea was to change games all of a sudden? That's <laughs> I be set you up on rules. this one, though, because, uh, because this is uncharacteristic of an Orthodox Lutheran to speak this way, but, but perhaps it stands as a good corrective, is that when we're talking about feelings, we're not anti-feelings. We, we do want to recognize the danger of feelings. Always our feelings are subject to God's Word, because we know that our feelings are notoriously unreliable, in fact, more unreliable than our mind and our will, uh, and yet the, the God comes to when when God comes to us to relieve us of our sins and forgive us. This comes as a great and marvelous gift. Yeah. Well, uh, so this last <laughs> this last YouTube video that we played, which ladder? Uh, I'm asking you. This, this, oh, you're, that's, a, that's a question. The one we most recently played. Well, I think putting the best construction on it, then we could understand uh, this young lady to be uh, speaking um, an alternative to the blasphemy challenge and saying, look, there is a Holy Spirit, um, and he's my Holy Spirit. In other words, he's done good things for me. But it does tend toward, to lean towards this kind of American uh, experiential religion, uh, and it has all, all the language of kind of come try it out, come and test it, um, try Jesus and see. She didn't say that exactly, but it has that kind of sense to it. And I think that's uh, I think that's mysticism, the latter of the emotions. What What about this concept of if you if you seek him earnestly, then you'll find him? Uh, yeah, the Bible promises such things, and that's the com the comfort that we take is in the fact that this is promised that God wants to be found. 
so the so the comfort is not in in our in our seeking, but rather in the fact that God tells us that He wants to be found. Uh, so so that's true. Uh, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with your whole heart, is that a quote from Jeremiah? Right, Jeremiah. Uh, Jesus says, uh, 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 "Seek, ask, knock, seek." Um, uh, but and, but and does so we but does rejoice the, in the fact that he wants to be found by us? But does fallen nature have the capacity to to find God? No, uh, and that's the great thing. It's like playing hide and go seek. You know, if I if I'm playing hide and go seek with Daniel, who's well, he's two and a half years old, and I want to hide to where he can't find me, I could do it. Uh, but when I play with him, I stick my foot out from the closet or whatever so that he can find me. So he he doesn't have the capacity to find me. But if I'm in the closet with my foot sticking sticking out, saying "Yoo-hoo, yoo-hoo, and then and he runs around the corner with his great smile on his face and he says, "I found you! I there you are, Dad! I found you!" Uh, you know, I, I put myself there to be found, and that's exactly what God did to us. And I think he must have some sort of uh, joy of of the father playing hide and go seek with his son uh when we when we come around the corner saying i found you and he says well uh, yes G- good work <laughs> congratulations <laughs> okay but so the answer is no s- uh, sinners can't on their own find god god has to come down to us that's the whole point of the latter uh game that we're playing uh but then he has this great delight in coming down to us and giving himself to us and uh, uh, and showing himself and 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 being with us and all of this. So. Um, okay. Uh, okay. What you seem depressed over there? Are you still upset? I'm struggling. Walter, I'm struggling. No. <laughs> I'm struggling with your analogy, your illustration, because uh, in a sense, isn't it that that we're hiding from God, sort of like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and and God comes and finds us. Oh yeah, that's nice. I mean, that's true. There you are. Uh, it, <laughs> I mean, I mean, sinful man would not be looking for God. They're looking for their own selfish desires, looking for to fulfill my own wants and and what I want. And then you know we're just dead in our own sin when all of a sudden, wham, God finds us. Yeah, that's right. He he tracks us down. He's like the heavenly bloodhound. You know, he's on our tail and he and he and he comes and he gets us. And that's true. I mean, so I mean, this is right. So uh, there's this. I mean, maybe both are right. There's this line in Paul. Is it in Colossians where he says, um, uh, where he says, "You have come to, you have found." Doesn't he say that you have found God, or even better, God has found you? Isn't that how it goes? Uh, so that we might have this idea that. Uh, that we found God, but it's it's just better to understand it that that God has found us, that that we are we are the ones that are found by Him. Right. Well, you know what? That's all the time we have for this Table Talk Radio. But tell you what, if you what? if you go on our website at tabletalkradio.org and uh, you you listen to this episode, which is show twenty four, is that right, Pastor? Forty two. Forty two. Right? That's what I meant to say. <laughs> then you can listen to the extended. Did you hear about the dis? dis, dis how do you say that? Dyslexic atheist. Yeah, yeah. That I, didn't I, believe in dogs. Yeah, yeah. Fine. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, you can you can go online listen to the extended version of this show where you can listen to one more audio clip uh, of which latter. Hey, we're gonna keep playing. Yeah. So uh, with that said, are you ready for this last one? Oh, uh, sure. Okay. This is. Are we done or are we not? I don't understand what's going on here. We're done for the radio listeners. We're not done for the podcast listeners. Oh, nice. Ah. Oh, good. Okay, so. Hello, podcast <laughs> listeners. We love our on demand listener. <laughs> is that singular? Listener? Listener. Uh, 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 
What is our new line or two with issues, etc.? Uh, they say uh, often duplicated, never imitated. We we are often we are never never imitated or duplicated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Well, this last one is someone by the who calls himself Father Fearless. Father Fearless? Is he a, a Roman Catholic or what? Uh, I think so, yeah. So here's his response to the blasphemy challenge. Heaven is a beautiful place. There's no death, no sorrow there, only peace and happiness forever and ever. Just Deepak Chopra? Because you took that rubbish blasphemy challenge. <laughs> Not really. Hi. I'm Father Fearless. As many of you know, the Blasphemy Challenge has been going on for some time now, and it's convinced hundreds of teenagers and four old people to deny <laughs> the Holy Spirit on YouTube for a DVD. It's sad, but it's true. I hate to be the wet blanket on your hellfire, people, all you blasphemers who wanted to burn forever, but saying that you deny or don't believe in the Holy Spirit on YouTube does not equal blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is this, to deny the call or the conviction of the Holy Spirit to repent through Christ. So, unless you died immediately after denying the Holy Spirit, there's hope for you. What you say on camera can change. I could say, I love Jesus, and then tomorrow become an atheist. Conversely, you could say, I don't believe in the Holy Spirit, and then tomorrow become a Christian. See, your deeds have to be working in conjunction with what you say. The book of James says this, Faith without works is dead. Jesus said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. So, without any further ado, I offer the Servant's Challenge. Right, so, Servant's Challenge is this. Simply say on video that you love the Holy Spirit, and then show us on the same video how. That's right. We're not just talking about talkie-talkie here, people. We want to see some walkie-walkie. So, go out and take care of some people. Find someone who needs help. Here, I've got a few examples for you to take a look at, just to give you some inspiration. God bless you, brother. Get something hot to eat. Love you. I love the Holy Spirit. Looks like someone forgot to pay their parking meter enough money. Good thing there's a Christian around to pay it for them. <laughs> I love the Holy Spirit. I'm looking for someone to get some food to. Yeah. Are you hungry? Yeah. Chips and a, and a foot long in there. Yeah, oh. it's a foot long. Oh. Yeah. yeah, enjoy it. I love, love the Holy Spirit. Spirit. High five. High five. Yes. In conclusion, I offer this. These atheists at Blasphemy Challenge, they have no power. They have no hope. We have the power of Christ and a hope beyond measure. So let's see what great things we can do with this. That's why I'm offering this final bonus challenge, and it's just for fun. But let's see bonus if we can do the greatest nice. act of service. I mean, something really extreme, the like act of give away your That's house. Or, well, I don't want to put the idea in your head. The point is, something really great. In the words of the great martyr of the faith, Polycarp, away with the atheists. God bless you. 
You know, that guy said a lot, uh, a lot of good things in there. Uh, namely, I kind of like it. I kind of like that guy. That's yeah. He uh, he's got a. Is that an Irish accent that he has? I think so. I don't know. I'm not very good at identifying accents. But one thing I did like that he said that he uh, identified what blasphemy really was. Did you hear what he said? Uh, uh, rejecting the Holy Spirit's call to repentance. Is that what he right, said? Right through Jesus Christ. What do you make of that? Um, yeah, I think that's right because it's it's unbelief that damns, uh, and so the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is precisely that. When the Holy Spirit comes, now perhaps what our friend uh, Father Fearless, how did he get that name? I wonder. I don't know. Maybe you should think of a name like that, Pastor <laughs> Theological Bull Rider, oh. don't I? Oh yeah. And what are you, the Theological Whiz Kid? That's right. Oh, that's like a. <laughs> You're like Robin. <laughs> boy Wonder. You're the theological boy wonder. Oh, man. I, um, <laughs> I don't know how... But uh, he, <laughs> you were down in Kansas last week, and they all called you by your favorite name, I know, Theological Whiskey. That's right. Not not to mention that there is uh, one of our listeners that's keeping a running tally of all of our points. And by the way, Pastor, I am in the lead of total points of Table Talk Radio. Yeah. I should just... Uh, huh. I wonder what I should do about that. I should just take away some of your points. I should oh, give man. myself a couple hundred thou. I I, I had so much fun out there because they, they they made me give them. They like, you know, held me hostage. Just like gave them table talk radio points, and and so uh, it was a lot. Luther of fun. in the large catechism talks about how the uh, talking about the Lord's Supper and baptism, et cetera, et cetera, in such marvelous ways that the people come and and demand that you give it to them. <laughs> Uh, and that's exactly what happened with the Table Talk Radio points. Uh, anyway, back to Father Fearless. Oh, yeah. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is uh, this um, – when the Holy Spirit – oh, yeah. What Father Fearless perhaps lacks is this understanding of the means of the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit works through means, through the Word of God and uh, baptism, Lord's Supper. But but generally, when the so when the Holy Spirit comes and, and condemns you of your sin and then and then forgives that sin through the absolving Word of the Gospel – then to say no to that, this is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's to say, no, no, uh, you do not have the authority to give such things. Who who are you uh, to bring these things to me? Uh, I don't think that's uh, that you can do that. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So that was right. And it's also good then that he's there offering comfort to those who have committed or think that they have committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, uh, th- that now they're out, and so there's never any bringing them back. He says, no, look. Repent, and that's precisely the opposite of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's a, uh, that's the ag- right acknowledgement of the Holy Spirit and His work is repentance. Right. Now so that was good. Now at, at no time, to be fair, at no time did he say that um, these works were required for salvation. I guess. Um, but what what was he saying about um, about all these works and, and things like that? Uh, yeah, that they are a demonstration of the work of the Holy Spirit. I thought that was the best line in there. Uh, look, an expired parking meter. Good thing there's a Christian around to pay it. <laughs> Although he didn't talk like a pirate. But, uh, no, that's you. That could be that's cl- that could be your thing. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was classic. Um, you don't have to be a Christian, of course, to to uh, to do good things for your neighbor. Uh, that, that's uh, that's true. So there might be a misunderstanding there. But as Christians, we are sent out to do, as Paul says, good works prepared beforehand. If we, though, begin to trust in those, he, he, here's the marvelous thing about the, the scriptures, is that they warn us about sin, but they also warn us about good works. Isn't this interesting? 
that there's a danger in doing good works. And the danger is that we begin to trust in them or think that because of them God is pleased with us or that we become more acceptable to God than the uh, than uh, than Joe Christian who doesn't do those good works. That's the great danger that they lead to boasting. Uh, and, and, and whenever boasting comes up, Paul says rightly, God forbid that I should boast in anything but Christ our Lord. But... Um, Okay, oh, so goodness. so if someone were to take this this uh, uh, what do you say servants challenge is that what it was called, and uh, to do these these good works, then by them think that they have uh, merited anything before before God, um, to think that they've even improved their uh, their standing before God, then they are in fact climbing the moral ladder. Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. If they were to do such a thing, that would be the ladder of moralism. Right. Okay, so so how is it then that, that we have good standing before God if it isn't by our works? It is by the, as Professor Pless gave us in the beginning of the show, by the imputation of the righteousness of Christ, or of the good works of Jesus, the good works that Jesus did in his life and in his death. These are, these are applied to our account by faith. That's precisely what faith does. It takes a hold of this righteousness of Christ. And so we are found by him to be holy and righteous, um, completely apart from uh, our sin and our good works, simply based on on his sacrifice for us. Jesus comes down to us. He climbs down the ladder of our uh, flesh and sin and death, and he and he and he and he takes hold of us, and he and, and he takes us up, and he clothes us in his perfection, uh, so that he has us. That's how we become pleasing to God. Uh, you know, we, th- this this guy had the servants challenge, but w- where we find our life is in the fact that Jesus is pleased to serve us. I I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And, and we are there in that many uh, that Jesus gave his life for. And so we rejoice in that. That's right. Well, thanks for listening to the extended edition of Table Talk Radio right here on tabletalkradio.org. Have we ever even done this before? Uh, once before, yeah. Oh, good. So uh, only on Table Talk Radio we get the, the bonus. <laughs> Yeah, boy. All right. All of you who stuck with us for the extra, how long did we go extra? Ten minutes. Ten points for you, each of you. (laughs) All right, well, tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio, and uh, we'll see you then. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.